In the year 587 BC, the city of Jerusalem was attacked by the Babylonian Empire. And a year later, the city and the temple were plundered and burned. Thousands of Israelites were taken from their homes and relocated all over ancient Babylon. They became exiles. And so now they're a minority surrounded by a new culture with new gods. Now, some Israelites chose to resist Babylon by revolting or withdrawing. Others gave in, adopting the Babylonian way of life and accepting these new gods as their own. And you might think those are your only two options, but the prophet Jeremiah told them to do something totally different and surprising. To settle in, build houses, plant gardens, grow families, and most surprisingly, to seek the well-being of Babylon and pray to the Lord on its behalf. So this is like a third way. Yeah, it's not compromise or revolt. What does it look like? Well, there's a whole book of the Bible that explores that question. It's the story of Daniel. Daniel was one of the Israelites taken into the Babylonian exile. And because Daniel had a royal heritage and education, he was recruited along with some friends to work in the high court of Babylon. Work for the enemy? That would be compromise. Or they could gain the king's trust and take him down from the inside. That's what you might expect. But instead, they take Jeremiah's advice and choose the third way. They serve the king of Babylon, taking on Babylonian names and even clothing style. So they seek Babylon's well-being. But in doing so, aren't they just giving up their heritage? It could seem that way, but actually they aren't. As you read on, the story focuses on moments where they draw the line and they choose faithfulness to their God and resist the influence of Babylon. So, for example? Well, like when they're commanded to bow down to the idol of Babylon and give allegiance to the king as if he's a god. Ah, they won't go that far. Right. This is where you see their true loyalty. It requires them to critique Babylon's idolatry of power, its arrogance, its injustice, but they do it nonviolently by laying down their lives. And so God vindicates Daniel and his friends for their faithfulness. So they would serve Babylon, seek its well-being, but their loyalty was always to God. Yeah, this is what Jeremiah was envisioning. The way of the exile is a combination of loyalty and also subversion. So they're still exiles, but don't Daniel and his friends long to go home? Yes. In fact, Daniel believed that God was going to send a ruler to bring down Babylon and create a true kingdom of peace. Ah, when did he think this ruler would come? Well, at first he thought within his lifetime, but then he had a dream where he found out that after Babylon would come another oppressive empire, then another, then another. And so Babylon did fall and Israel did get to go back home, but now they're ruled by Babylon's successors. And so they maintained the mindset of an exile waiting for their true home to come to them. I love that last phrase. Now they're waiting for their true home to come to them. So one of the th- so what we got to discuss, we started this series last Sunday where we got to unpack the fact that every one of us, like the ancient Israelites, are exiles. That we're aliens, that we are not home yet. And in fact, all of 2020 has helped us feel this in a way that we've maybe never felt it before. In fact, lots of peoples across the earth deal with strife and difficulty uh, all the time. We've gotten to have a fresh taste of it in America in ways that we've not um, maybe ever, not certainly in our lifetimes. And so this is not our final destination. This is not our final home. It's not what we are ultimately meant for. We are meant for another king and another kingdom to be a part of every one of us. And that that kingdom is in fact right now everywhere 
and in here and yet is still coming. Because I, what I love about uh, the, the video we just got to watch, and I, I didn't give us a chance to see the second half of it, and I would just say, this is a side note, if you've not been accessing the Bible Project through uh, Right Now Media, which is, by the way, a free gift that we give to all the people in our church, if you haven't had a chance to watch these videos, they're unbelievably helpful, incredible, uh, and summarizing uh, the move of the scripture toward um, the king, which is Jesus. And that's what we got to know. And that's actually what I love about uh, this video because what it says is um, while they did get to eventually go home, they were still under subversion. They were still under subjection to other rulers and other authorities. And what they discovered very quickly is you can be in a homeland but still be in exile because home is not actually about where you're at. Home is about the king and the culture that you're a part of. And that's what they were longing for is I wanted to be a part of something deep and profound. And what Daniel was seeing is that there was a coming king and his name would be Jesus. And he would be the king who would bring that kingdom. And he, Jesus, is where we are all headed. I'm going to put it this way. Jesus is our home forever, wherever he is. He's our home. He is leading us to him. That's what you know, the point of heaven, right? The point of heaven is not to get to heaven. The point of heaven is to say, that's where Jesus is. That's where the king is. And that's where we're headed. That's where he's leading us. But there's a second piece to this. And we got to see a shadow of it with the Israelites in captivity and in Babylon. And that is that that kingdom is alive in such a way that we get the opportunity to bring that kingdom wherever we go. If the kingdom is not about a place, it's not about a house, it's not about a city. If the kingdom is about the king, then you and I carry the kingdom and we get to take it wherever we go. That wherever we go, we're meant to do good and bring good. This is the point of having the kingdom in us. And so that rises and that brings to, to the surface the question, how then, if we are exiles meant to bring this kingdom wherever we go, then how are we supposed to live? What does it look like for us to live our daily and everyday lives? Because if we carry the message and the life of hope and truth, then what are we supposed to do with these things? What is it supposed to look like on an everyday basis? I want to just look quickly at the scripture. If you'll look in Daniel chapter one. In fact, if you will, go, everyone needs to grab your Bibles. In fact, we won't put the, the scripture on the screen just so you have to see the Bible for yourself. If, you, if you're here in person, there's one under the chair in front of you. If you, or maybe you have one on your phone. You guys that are at home, be sure you've got a Bible close to you as we look at this text. I want to look at what it says in Daniel chapter one so we can begin to get a picture of what it looks like to not just be a part of a better kingdom, but for us to live a better way. Daniel chapter one, we'll start in verse one. Now, here's what it's going to give us the description of what the, the video was showing us. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, I'm I, I, by the way, I looked up a bunch of the pronunciations of this, so we're just going to go there. All right. King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
So you can gloss over that, but if you can for a moment, imagine an invading force that rips you out of your home and takes you to a different place. That is, I can't think of anything more unsettling. My home's like, it's my safe place, right? Everything's cool at the house. So if you can just try to imagine what it's like to have an invading force come and to fully move you, how unsettling that is, to lose everything that you've got, if you will. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So the people are driven out of their land and they're exiles in in this new land and they're now sitting and all of their possessions are in the house of a false god. This is not ideal, just for clarity. Now, verse six, among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. And Hananiah he called Shadrach, and Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Skip down to verse 17. Now look at what it says. Look what it says. As, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. Now look at this. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, I love this because this is a picture and a shadow to say this. For you and I know the king, the true king, that they were waiting, and we know the true kingdom. And what God did was he granted them to be 10 times wiser than anyone else. This is the picture I believe that the Lord is giving to us, all right? That these men carried the heart of the kingdom in them. And it's a picture, a type, a shadow of what it looks like for us to live as exiles in this place. That you and I were meant to bring life tenfold. That this is the mark of the people of God that are in exile awaiting the king. That there is empowerment to be had. That we aren't waiting for other people to do it. And this is, a, it's a, this is a great opportunity for us to be able to pull back for just a moment to say, there has been, I think for a long time, uh, 
an attitude, and I would say especially in the Western church and in the American church, for the people of God to sit back waiting for the guys that are standing on the platform to figure it all out. And the Lord saying, no more. And I wanna say as the pastor and one of the leaders of this church, that will not and cannot be the mark on New River Fellowship. This church is meant to be filled with people who walk in the tenfold wisdom and understanding of the Spirit of God. This is who you're going to become. This is who I'm going to become. So we will not set back and wait for the pastors or the singers or whoever happens to be on the platform. Because, beloved, if you have Jesus as your Lord, King, and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit of God who's ready to empower you to move and to touch and to shape the earth. We're not going to step back and wait on politicians to fix the things. And I thank God for godly politicians. In fact, some of you might be called to it and and we'll get behind you. We're not going to wait for the administrators. We're going to say, Lord, I wanna bring the tenfold wisdom of the life of the kingdom wherever I'm going. Maybe my sphere isn't in political arenas. Maybe it's not in the arts. But Lord, wherever my arenas are today, I'm asking for you to give me the tenfold wisdom of the king of the universe. Over all the magicians, over all the philosophers, all over all the other guys, this is what your call is. This is what the, the, this moment, I believe, in America, this is what 2020 is actually all about is can and will the church rise up in the manifold wisdom of God? But it's going to take the people of God finally pulling that in and say, I'm, I'm, I'm not, this is not my final home. I need to help others know there's another place. There's another home. I want to lead them there. And I'm anchored in that truth. This is important for us as the church and it's important for the people of God in this hour. Now, I'm uh, going to ask a big question. Yeah, everybody has to vote. Okay, how many of you have had what you would call a bad job before? Ever had a bad job? Raise your hand, okay, bad job. Yeah, okay, most people, okay. And then how many of you have had a good job? Good job, good job, okay, all right. More good jobs than bad jobs, that's good. Okay, you guys at home, all right. What makes a job a bad job? What makes a job a bad job, right? Sometimes it's the work, but let's, it's probably not the work because you wouldn't have taken the job in the first place, right? Let's be honest. What makes a bad job, right? A bad job is a bad job because they told you what, a, a few things. One, they told you what the job was gonna be and then it ended up being something completely different. You ever had that? Like, here's what the job is and then you get in there and that's not really what the job is. That's bad, okay? Or the leadership is incredibly difficult to work with or for. Leadership's rough, difficult, painful, all right? Or the atmosphere is totally toxic, right? Maybe the coworkers, uh, again, the, from the leadership, there's a toxic atmosphere and it just, it's a pain to go to work. Or the pay scale, it wasn't fair, 
right? You're doing the job, but you certainly are not being compensated for what, all right? These are the, all the things that make a, bad, a job a bad job. Guys, you flip the thing upside down. What makes a job a good job, right? The job is exactly what they said it'd be. Maybe it might be even better than what they said it would be. Or the leadership is awesome. They're great to work with and they're great to work for. Or the atmosphere is light. It's engaging. It's fun. There's a mission you're a part of. Sell more Coca-Colas or whatever it is, right? Or the pay scale is actually fair and meaningful in what you're trying to accomplish in your life, right? Yep, these are the marks of either a good job or a bad job, right? It's, it's the same thing. You know what they call all of those variables? They call that culture. They call it culture. See, everybody actually wants to be around and a part of a culture that brings life. Everybody. A culture is shaped by the values, by the attitudes, by the desires, by the goals of the organization, right? And so culture now is everything to an organization. Culture's everything to a family, right? There were cultures we experienced in our families. There's cultures in all the places and organizations. Guys, there's cultures in the church. There's cultures in the church, and there's culture in this church, and what God is pointing to is to say the kingdom of God is the culture over all cultures. It's the culture that we're meant to grab onto. Its values, its attitudes, its desires, its goals. They're all shaped by Jesus and they all shape us. Meaning that if you have a culture that is shaped deeply by wherever you came from, the culture of the kingdom is meant to take and shift you on a deeper level, to go to a deeper places, to begin to change and shape, shape you, to shape me, to shape us as a church. And so we all begin to ask the question, like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you have a culture around you and you have a culture in you. You have a culture around you and you have a culture in you. And those and that, that culture in you is either being shaped by the culture around you or it's being shaped by the kingdom of God. And so this is the question that we're asking. Can we have, can we take the opportunity to see the kingdom of God move forward, to change us, to move us, to become people who deeply embody the culture of the kingdom. And so that's my question. What's shaping your culture now? What is shaping you? Is it movies or talk radio or books or philosophies or the music that you listen to? The truth is all of those things shape us in many ways. And the call is on us, like Daniel, not just to be shaped by the culture, but for us to shape the culture around us. That's the call for us. I don't know. Uh, if you've seen the movie The Patriot, um, I, I would have actually loved to show you this clip, but it was way too, it was a bit bloody. But they're in a battle, and the movie The Patriot, 
uh, the Americans are fighting the British in the Revolutionary War. And there's this massive, right, crescendo. Uh, this, this movie's been building toward this battle, and it's the good guys and the bad guys. And here, here, the, here, here's the problem. The culture for the, Ameri the Americans that were fighting, they were just militiamen. And what they would do is they'd, they'd do a great first volley, but they did not have a culture that would stand in. And so every time they'd retreat, they'd do the first volley and then they retreat, they'd retreat. And so they're in this huge battle and they do the first volley. And then immediately their culture is, we have to retreat because we're gonna be overrun by the big bad British guys who know how to do warfare. And so they're hightailing it out of there. And Benjamin Martin, which is Mel Gibson, which is, you know, the greatest warrior of all time, right? In the movies anyway, right? As he sees the culture, right? They're running away. And what's happening is the standard bearer, the flag holder, the guy that has the American flag, he's retreating too. And so he's like, no, you got to move forward. And they're all running away. And he's like, all right. And so he runs over and he grabs the American flag out of the guy's hand. And he goes, move forward. And he runs with the flag, right? He doesn't have his weapon in his hands anymore. He's got the flag and he's moving forward. And all of a sudden the guys like see the flag going forward and they're like, oh, okay, I guess we have to go forward. And they all jump back in and they re-engage. And in that moment, he shifts the culture and the reality of the American and they wallop the, the British. And it's this amazing victory. And I'm not even sure if it was like an actual, I don't know which battle it was or any, I don't know if it was a real story or not, but it was really like you come out of that and you're kind of beating your chest and you're like screaming a little bit and you're frying up bacon or you do something like that whenever you see this. And the... This is, I believe, I, this is the point of the church in this hour is to grab the flag and to begin to say, we're not going to be on retreat any longer. I'm even just if I look at the, the people that are in this room, you guys that are joining us online and think about the culture that we can begin to take into the arenas of the world around us, seeing ourselves as people like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego who do good and see the kingdom of God advance and move forward. We grab the flag and we start to move. We don't retreat, we move forward. Matthew chapter 11 uh, puts it, Jesus, these are Jesus' own words, and he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. What he means is this, that from the moment that John the Baptist announced that the, that, that the, the, the Messiah was coming, that God began to shift the culture and move everyone forward to say, hey, we're advancing, but guess what? there is an assault against the kingdom move forward because this forceful men are coming back against it. And he's saying, it's time for us to press this thing forward, to move this thing ahead, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so the question becomes, what's the culture that you carry with you? I'm asking myself this question when we go to the grocery store and in our businesses and when we interact with our spouses and with our children, what culture am I carrying around? What standard am I holding and advancing? Am I, am I thinking about the plans and the desires and the purposes of the, enemy, of, of the king against the enemy to move it forward? 
we have capacity because of the Holy Spirit to host the tenfold tenfold manifold wisdom of God everywhere we go. I wanna be filled with the wisdom of God and it's time to anchor ourselves in something bigger and greater. I believe 2021 is gonna be a pivotal year for our church. That it's time for us as a church to dive down deeper in a way and begin to give shape to our culture. And so we're gonna begin to hone some things in on the culture of this church We have a heart cry to help shape us to be shaped together, to shape you, to shape me, and to shape us together. And so we're gonna be doing several things in the days ahead I'm actually really excited about. I'm gonna go through these really briefly just to give you a taste of what's about to come in this next year. Let me just put it, and let me just couch it this way. Megan and I, my wife and I, we got here three years ago, ready to get the world by the tail, right? And to, and to come, and we got here, and we had an opportunity to just begin to do the work that the Lord had called us to. So many of you have come since that time, and you've helped shape us. Um, you've loved us really well. We pressed and addressed very early on when we got here lots of places of unhealth. We got to address places that needed to be pruned. We got to address places that needed to be watered as well. Um, over that time, or, uh, over that early time, we rewrote our bylaws. We, re, uh, we addressed our leadership culture. We established an elder-led church based on the biblical model you'll find in 1 Timothy and Titus just to bring greater account- accountability and greater clarity to our mission. Uh, we established our membership class just to begin to give an identity to say, who are the people that are here? Who are we running with together? Um, uh, during that time, uh, I know that uh, my wife and I have been shaped We've been shaped. We came to shape some things, but we've been shaped. We've been shaped by you. We've been shaped by what God is doing in this city and what he's doing in this area. And so we've gotten to grow as well. Um, But these were all these internal under the hood adjustments and changes that were necessary for us to move forward as a healthy leadership and as a healthy body. And so many of you guys have contributed to that health uh, in these uh, over these last few years. And, and of course, just as we were about to turn the corner, then the COVID hit, right? And um, kind of, and, and listen, it didn't, it didn't just send us into like, okay, hey, what are we doing here and what's it look like? But, but by the grace of God, it's, it's upended the church a little bit. It's, in, it's, it's upended all the institutions, right? But by the grace of God, the church has been shifted and sifted And it's been shaken, right? And this was the promise, of course. It's been the promise all along. What does the scripture say? Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. It's all gonna be shaken. And there's only one thing that's gonna stand. It is the kingdom of God. And I want you to hear this. Everything's been upended, turned upside down, crushed, adjusted. The kingdom of God doesn't have one dent in it. All right, you know that little measly dent you get when you go to the grocery store and somebody opens their door on your door? All right, that, that little dent's like, got this perfect thing, but this little dent's driving me nuts. Not one dent. The kingdom of God is standing. It's unshakable. And it's time for the church to begin to conform more and more into the image of the kingdom of God. What we're seeing across the nation is half-filled churches and God has shaken the church And so we deeply want the culture of the kingdom to rest here more today than it did yesterday. That is our aim. It's what we're going after. And so 
what we have felt for this family is that we are called to go deeper and deeper into loving each other well and building each other up. That this is gonna be a house where if you come here, you're gonna be loved well and cared for. This is our aim. This is where we're going. That we are meant to make disciples of all nations and to help you and to help others make disciples. We don't just wanna make disciples. We wanna make disciples who make disciples. And we wanna begin to develop leaders from among this body who shape the cultures that they are around with the kingdom culture, with the tenfold wisdom and power of God. And so we've done all this work internally over these last three years, and now we believe we're actually in alignment with the prophetic purposes and plans of God in 2020 to reshape his church for leaders to be, and so if you've been a part of church leadership, or by the way, I don't know. I have so many pastor friends. I love so many of the churches around here. I've got so many friendships with guys that are leading churches. And guess what? We're all just going, dear Lord, Jesus, help us. How do we find a way forward? And the Lord's saying it's his kingdom. And so I love that. I love that we're linked in arms with other churches and other brothers asking this question, but it's time for us to get on board with that. And so you're, we're going to be about to kind of unveil over the next year some of the external things. We've done all the internal things. We're going to do the external things, right? To help better make disciples. This is where we're headed, is to make disciples of all nations. This is the call on the church to help us make disciples. So how? A couple of things. One, we're about to update our facility. So you're going to start seeing some changes in a few ways. And I'm just going to outline those very briefly. And I'm, in fact, I'll just tell you just enough to make you mad. And then I'm leaving for Thanksgiving and then I'll be back next week. And if you got questions, then you can, we can talk about it then, right? Okay. But one of the things is we're going to move away from the main entry into this tiny four. We're going to turn our fellowship hall into the new main entry of the church. So we're doing a new main entry. Why? Because we want a big space for us to hang out and hug each other. Well, or air five each other or whatever it is that you feel comfortable in. But the point is this. We want connection. Don't want to feel shooed off. We want to be able to sit with each other. We'll put some furniture in there. It's going to be the new entryway into the church. We're also going to put a brand new courtyard out in front. So where the current kids playground is, we're going to create a new courtyard for us to be able to, again, hang out together. The new courtyard and the new foyer will also then double as new spaces for us to run classes and the new places for us to be able to do small groups. So opening up new opportunities for discipleship, opening up new opportunities for small groups. So you're going, it's COVID, I don't feel comfortable meeting in my house. Guess what? We're gonna open our building wide to come and hang here and do discipleship. This is where we're headed. Uh, do a new courtyard. We're gonna update our exterior to help match our vision for hosting people uh, and to help make disciples and develop leaders. We're gonna open up the top floor to better host our elementary kids. You're asking where are we can do with our elementary kids. We're gonna move them upstairs. We're gonna pull down the walls upstairs and open it up for the kids to be able to hang out up there. Both our elementary ministry and our, 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 our student ministry are gonna be able to hang out uh, up there. Uh, in future phases, so we don't believe we have the funds right now, but in future phase, what we'll do is this area back here is going to become a new kids playground along with seating area for moms to have play dates and discipleship groups and small groups. All right, to be able to come here, let your kids go crazy, and for you to host people and say, we're gonna go and get the culture of God deeper in us. We're gonna hang out here and drink our sweet tea. All right, 
And then in a, in a future phase, we're gonna turn our kitchen into a brand new kitchenette and conference room. Beautiful place for you to come and be able to do what? More classes, more discipleship, more opportunities for us to come together to love each other well. So that's what's gonna take place in the facility. I'll just give you a little bit of that and there's a lot more to that. Um, but the, the point of all of this is to say the entirety of our building is now being shifted to be able to host discipleship, to develop leaders, to see the kingdom of God moving. We wanna open it wide. You wanna use it on a Wednesday afternoon for small group? Let's do this together. Let's begin to build this kingdom of God together. That's where we're headed. We're gonna update the language of our culture. So beginning in 2021, in January, I'm launching a brand new message series that is updating the language of our culture so you know exactly where our church is headed. You know exactly the core values and the ambitions and the goals that God's put in our heart to do. I'm unpacking all of that over January. So you don't want to miss it. You want to invite all your friends. You know people that are going like, I don't know about church anymore. You want to, you want to help them find a place where they can have the culture of God come in there, come into them. I want you to invite people to come to be a part of that. We're updating our website right now. We've been looking, at, I say updating, we're actually building a brand new website that'll help people be able to uh, access all the content, all the stuff that we've got coming in the days ahead. And so, for instance, if you miss Jerry's class, the Riverview class on intimacy with God, you want to go watch this. You know, if you weren't able to stay, you got stuff going on, kids, whatever, you need to access this. Our, our new website's gonna make it easy for you to access all the things that God is building here among our church. We're gonna be updating our membership class in a new way, creating a digital way for people to get acquainted with our culture and to start becoming, learn how they can jump into the culture of our church to begin to be a disciple and make disciples. So we're reorienting that. And then we're also updating our reach into the community. So after January, I'm doing a message series in February where we're going to outline very simple, real, powerful ways for us to become ministers of the gospel wherever we go. And it's not like hey, we got to go door to door knocking on people and asking people, are you saved? And if you, you know, if you died today, would you go to heaven? You know, would you go to heaven? And people are like, do you have a gun? Like, what's wrong with you? Don't, don't come to my house asking that question, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real, significant, meaningful ways for us to bring the culture of the kingdom wherever we go. We'll be unpacking that in February. You want to be a part of that. In addition to putting a brand new calendar together where we begin to do outreaches in our community together. We do meaningful opportunities for us to hang out together as a family, meaningful opportunities for us to go minister together and partner with other organizations we've partnered with before, like One Gen Away and, and GraceWorks and some of the other groups that are doing those things. So we're gonna, we've got a whole calendar we're putting together for 2021. There is a culture that God wants to put in us and we're ready to say yes to him with it. We have a ton of vision for what God wants to do in this church. And when I say in this church, I ain't talking about this building. We thank, thank God for the building. I'm talking about this people. Being made ready to carry goodness wherever we go. This is what we were made for, church. This is why we're here. This is why it, I, I'm just, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to ready your heart to be a part of something bigger than yourself. I want you to ready your heart to be a part of something that is great and grand that you can be thankful for because of the, as much as when the culture grows here, it begins to bloom out from there. You guys stand with me. We're just gonna close in prayer.
Yeah, David, you can just come up and play. I'm, we won't have time just to, we won't have time for the band, but just if you can come up. If you'll just, Father, we just want to commit ourselves to you right now. This is our heart cry. Lord, would you put your kingdom culture in me that can't be dented, it can't be, it can't be hammered, it can't be bent, it can't be thrown down, it can't be overrun. It doesn't have anything to do with houses or places. It has everything to do with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm just asking, in fact, right where you're at, would you just ask the Lord, Lord, put your kingdom culture in me. I don't want to go to Thanksgiving without hosting your kingdom culture. I want to love and do good to my grandmother and my cousins and my friends. Put your kingdom culture in me when I go to work and I bless my employees. I do good for my employers. I'm asking right now that for everyone who's willing to receive, Lord, would you give us the tenfold wisdom of God? Holy Spirit wisdom poured out over every person that's willing to ask you for it. That wherever they go and whatever words that they say, it brings the kingdom with them. I'm praying for new and creative ideas to flow through this church. I'm praying for organizational ideas. I'm asking for new resources over each family represented here. Finances and time, talents, employees, employers, God, that you would bring it all. I'm asking that you would cover us in such a way that we would find that 2021 is the greatest year of our lives because your kingdom was there. COVID might be there, but your kingdom superseded it all. And chaos might be there, but the kingdom superseded it all. This is who we are. This is who we're meant to be. This is where we are going, Father. We are ready to follow you in your kingdom culture, to make disciples of all nations, to raise up leaders who do good all over this city and all across the earth. And I ask God that you would let this be true for your namesake and glory. It's not my kingdom. It's not anyone else's kingdom. It's your kingdom. And I pray you would bless this time. I pray you bless these days ahead. Would you give us wisdom and give us a yes in our spirit? Would you just ask him for that yes, no matter what? Lord, let us say yes. I'm not gonna be ripped down by the enemy trying to see discord and disunity. I'm gonna say yes to you. We trust you, God, and we thank you for these days ahead. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.